When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Reality Radio for a really great future. We're talking real money. It's podcast and it's video cast time. I'm going to just call them video cast because I hate the term vlog. I just don't like it. It sounds like you're falling off a log. I don't know, vlog. I Ugh. think it sounds like you're going to get vlogged. Flogged. Well, flogged. Exactly. Yeah. It sounds like flogging. Hi, I'm a vlogger. I mean, vlogger. I, yeah. Ouch. I'm sorry. Let's not get into the, uh, the, the strange personal lives of billions (laughs) characters. Uh, and some of you will know that reference. Nice. Good. That's good. good. Not many of you, but some of you will know that reference. Hello everyone. And welcome to talking real money. I am one of your two hosts. My name is Don (laughs) hit the mic thing. My name is Don McDonald. And over there is uh, Tom Cock. Hello. So he said hi earlier. He's going to say hi again. Why not? So we're here and we do this almost every business day. We talk about money with you. Actually, we do it almost every day. The only exception, the only day when we're not hanging around talking about money, real money, is uh, Sunday. Because we're talking. Real football. Yeah. Yeah, both this time of year. Our teams to Well, follow. okay. Are we talking real football no, or are we talking team. mediocre football? Yeah, okay. Well, my teams they're they're 3 and 0 so far, but I don't hold out the hope that they're I don't even think they'll make the playoffs. That's my My my, my favorite team is also 3 and 0, but their opponents are 0 and 9. <laughs> That's a good team so, to play. I figure somebody's really smart setting up that schedule. And, That's good. And Tom's Tom's favorite team is no. uh, they they insist on playing longer football games than the rest of the league. <laughs> required to play they an extra quarter. They just want to show off yeah. every 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 other game or so. So we're the Raiders. We yeah. play twenty five percent longer than the rest of the league, but we get paid the same. So. Yeah, it's not very smart. No, it's not smart. Sort of a gambling mentality. Oh mm-hmm. wait, they're in Vegas. Makes sense. Uh, well, <laughs> welcome to the show. And speaking of gambling mentality. Do you occasionally feel like maybe the federal government is gambling with your future a little bit? Are you concerned about the viability of social insecurity, as some people call it? There are a lot of people uh, who believe that Social Security will run out of money completely really soon. How soon, Tom? Well, there's some people to think in the short term right now because we're right we're in the middle of this whole debt ceiling raise whatever. I mean, all these various things that Congress believes they'll get done by Friday, which I don't believe they will. But so there's kind of the shorter term aspect and then there's the headline that my wife shared with me last weekend that says social security will run out of money in 2034. 
run out of money in 2034. Okay, let's talk about. All right. Both well, those see, I'm sixty. I'm sixty-five there you know. now. There you go. So, so I was waiting to file till seventy, but now don't. that's starting to sound a little stupid. <laughs> go get your no kidding. Okay, let's let's unpack both, and then let's talk about how you do get good advice about Social Security because it is incredibly important to most people's retirement, whether you be. 40, 50, 60, wherever you are, you need to make sure you're getting good advice and do the right thing because it's such an important part of your post-work income. Number one, in the short term, will there be any impact of the debt ceiling? No, none. None whatsoever. It's not a fact that it has nothing to Might do with- checks not go out for a little checks while? Checks will go out to Social they, they Security. Will? Okay. That will not happen. People are um, worried. You know, My check may not go out. Th- your check will go out. Number two, okay. 2034. Uh, wait a minute. Before you go further, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I'm going to guarantee those checks, those checks don't go <laughs> out. Uh, they, you remember the check was guaranteed by Thomas C. Cock. That is C O C K, and you can look him up on the in the yellow. Not pages. hard to find. Yeah, very easy to find. Um, number two, 2034. At 2030, remember Social Security was designed in the 1930s as a pay-as-you-go system. The idea was money came in, money went out. Right, they built right. a little bit of a trust fund because there was a period of time where really nobody trusted very, them. Well, for a very long period of time, where more money was coming in than was going out. That's mm-hmm. coming to an end under the current tax arrangement. We're now by twenty thirty four. We'll have less money coming in than's going out. That is not the same as running out. So don't make your plans based on Social Security running out. That's because they still have tactic. a lot of money in the bank. They have a lot of money in the bank. And, well, and again, treasuries. So I think that's a silly thing. But here's what I will say. For those of you under the age of 40, plan on Social Security looking different than it does today. I personally think, this is my opinion. Number one, you will probably have to wait until like 65 before you can go get any money. Today, remembering you can get it at 62, which we do not advise. That's a bad strategy because once you take that benefit, it's basically the same the rest of your life with some small increases for inflation. Unless you're going to die young. If you have plans to die young, 62 is a good age to take it. The only correct withdrawal rate we know for any of these things is after you're dead. So Mm -hmm. you can come back and haunt me or something. Number two, around Social Security. Uh, You need to get really great advice on this. And where do you get it? Well- Liz Weston wrote a piece last weekend saying that the place not to get it is to go to the Social Security Administration, that the people that you go see in their office may or may not give you the right advice because it's complicated, especially if you're married, right? There's all kinds of when do I file and what about my all those things. Here's my suggestion. And this sounds a little self-serving because it is a little self-serving. If you come and see us or if you come and see any good advisor who uses great planning software, guess what? That planning software has looked at all of the options for you and your significant other for retirement and will tell you under this scenario, if you live till here, Don's correct. If you die early, everything's off the table. You got to live about, you literally Literally. got to live probably to your late 70s. You will never see another table. (laughs) Exactly. Table won't matter. What's on the table won't matter. But they have software where they'll put it all in there and it will tell you, you take it here, your spouse takes it there, that will supply the largest household benefit. 
So going to Social Security for that question, I don't, I, I agree with Liz. I think that's a bad idea. And I think anyone over the age of 50, I've said this before in this program, should have a plan that says planning on retiring here, income supplied by this, and Social Security fits this way. Absolutely, Don. And again, for younger people, um, I think you you should consider the fact that you probably have to wait longer. I mm-hmm. think it's likely that some sort of change will be made in the maybe the cap right now. I think you only pay in for what is it, one hundred forty four thousand yeah, dollars, something like that. And, and, and everything above that, you yep. don't pay Social Security taxes on I anymore. Would expect, there, there's the easiest fix of all. And I think that's one that will is likely to happen. I don't know. They may raise the rate a little bit, but little changes, by the way, in Social Security means it goes on for another 30 or 40 years with the full benefit, which is what I expect will happen. When will that happen? Here's my guess. 2034, because Congress has a tendency 2033. To say, Come okay, on, give them the benefit of the doubt. They have a tendency to say, we don't have to do this till next January. We'll pretty much see you then. We got other bigger issues. Oh, oh, I see where you're getting that. It's kind of like on the debt ceiling thing. Yeah, we'll wait till, let's say, Friday, because Janet Yellen says we got till October 18th. That gives us a lot of leeway. No problem. And you didn't suggest that people go to Larry Kotlikoff. You know, I like Larry's work. I know he got some flack recently for telling people to wait on Social Security. He also got some flack when he told me, I didn't realize that he took all his money out of the market last spring when it went down. He also Larry, got some flack market for timing. telling people to pay off their mortgage, which you and I know is probably not the best advice when rates are at 3%. I didn't say go to him for investing advice, yeah, but he really I, does have some good social security work. He does. He's He spent a lifetime working on all that. And uh, I mean, I think he has a good calculator there too you could use. I don't mm-hmm. know what you pay for any of that, but I think the work there is good. Again, my take is the reason to go to a fiduciary fee-only advisor for that is that they show you how it fits into the entire package. You can live off this money before taking social security, for example. The Again, the answer to the question, when should I start taking Social Security benefits, is that answer that none of us really like very much. And that answer is, it depends. You have to look at all the possibilities and go, okay, that's the best one for me. That's the one I'm going to choose. I think <laughs> I'll knock my little mic. You down. think bang. I think that fits my situation best of all. And 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 then you hope for the best because there are no guarantees going forward. None. Whatsoever. The only I do think there is, and I already said this, a guarantee that your check will still arrive in the next few weeks. And mm-hmm. a guarantee that even after 2034, if you're already on Social Security, I think you can pretty much expect that that would continue because you thought January 6, 2020 was a bad day for the US Capitol. If they cut Social Security checks, it'll be a whole lot worse. Different group probably that shows up, but it'll be a whole lot worse. Ladies and gentlemen, the preceding announcement (laughs) does not reflect the views and opinions of talking real money, Vestry, or Don McDonald. And they're the personal personal guarantee of Thomas C. Cock (laughs) from Washington State. Please, if you have any problems or you want to sue him, just contact him. At his office, I got to I got to liquid I got to liquidate a few assets to make sure I can yeah. write those checks You're for not, a couple of days. Yeah, there's like uh, billions of social I, security checks don't go out, and they, everybody's going one dollar and ninety six cents paid the ju- okay send that off. That's all. It's gonna be. <laughs> A lot of money. Uh, we also take your questions. You can call them into us at nine five five nine three eight nine five five eight five five. 
wow, this is. I need uh, a nap. You got to take the pill to to remember to take a pill. That's what I would I, say. I need a nap. My daughter. <laughs> Mid show. My daughter. My daughter lives in our garage apartment, and she has a dog that has horrible separation anxiety. Ooh. Well, as a twenty-something, she apparently went out on a date last night. A late date. Late early date. date. And the dog barked all night. I know. I should have gone to get the dog. My own fault. You're tired. Finally put, finally put my AirPods in my ears. Bye bye. And went. <clears throat> all right. So um, you questions. can send questions in to eight five five nine three five talk eight five five nine three five eight two five five, or you can type them in at talkingrealmoney.com. You can speak them in too at talkingrealmoney.com. But a lot of you type them in, and that's why my head is turned to the side to find. Our next question okay. from one of you. This comes from Spanish Fort, Alabama. Never even heard of it. Me either. It must have been a Spanish fort there at one time. Good guess. Kind of guessing. Hey, fellas. <coughs> Excuse me. I am contemplating a career change. I am burned out by my current profession and have no desire slash stomach for it anymore. I have a passion for investing for many years now, and I'm a voracious reader on the subject. Oh, that's okay. We'll get to that in a minute. I am considering getting a degree in finance on my own time while working full time with the goal to be a financial planner or financial advisor one day. I understand I would be starting at the bottom of my new chosen profession, and I'm fine with that. My question is, I see financial people with various initials after their name. CFP, CFA, CRPS. Doesn't that spell? Cr- Wait, never mind. CRPC. I think we have somebody here with that one. So careful. <laughs> you yeah. got someone there who's a, who's a curps? I think we do. We I, that is everything. not. That is not a good acronym. It's better than oh, yeah, CRAP, a- but okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's not an A. Uh, which one do I need or want? What are the differences in all of the certifications? Is the level of effort to get one or another essentially the same? What are the typical career steps in becoming an advisor? That's really wow, the bottom that's line. that's a great question. Here's what I would do if I was just starting out in this business. Now, I truly think if you're going to be on the people side, if you're going to be working with clients, client-facing, that a certified financial planner designation is the best because it gives you a look at all it gives you a look at the investing it gives you a look at the insurance it gives you a look at estate planning it it it's very it takes in a lot of things that said i personally think to go do that and then get a job and see if you like the business is a poor choice mm-hmm, because what I if agree. you do all that and then you say I hate this. You mean sitting around talking to people about money every day and telling them they're okay or they're not okay? You may not like it. Here's here's my my suggestion when people come and see me. I would go get the Series sixty five, which is a pretty low bar. You well, take you have to be sponsored for that. I don't. I think you can go take it now without sponsorship. Oh, can you? It used to be you had to be in the old days. You had to have a sponsoring firm. And by the way, maybe you can find a sponsoring firm because there are people that will do that. But I would, I would go get that. I would pick out 10 firms in your area that are all fee only, mm-hmm. 100% fiduciary, mm-hmm. and use index or index-like products, period. I would not talk to anybody else. I, I, I wouldn't get involved in the brokerage industry. I wouldn't mm-hmm. get involved with people that are hybrid, that are both broker-dealers and RIAs, period. 
I would make a list of those. I would call them up and say, I'm interested. I've got my Series 65. And then here's how you go to work. You're not going to come in, as you just said, as an advisor, because very few people get hired as advisors because you don't know anything about the actual business. But you could come in as a associate advisor. You could come in as an operations person, which I think is a huge advantage because now you know how everything else is done for people, how accounts are open and traded and all the work that goes behind the scenes. You work your way into then becoming a full-time financial advisor. And by the way, it's a great time to be going into this field because there's a shortage. All these old guys Oh, all these old guys like oh, oh, me like <laughs> us uh, are moving towards. <laughs> well, my wife says no, but retirement. So uh, they need they, we need younger people. And I talk to a couple of you every month, and this is I give you the same advice that I think the sixty five is the way to start. You get in the business a little bit, and then you can go after the CFP. And I think there are a lot of misconceptions about this industry. And I think this illustrates some of those misconceptions. This industry, actually, you would probably be smarter going back, instead of getting a degree in finance, getting a degree in psychology. Seriously. Because, or marketing. Because... The people who do the high finance into the business, who work at dimensional funds and make these complex decisions about building portfolios, the individual advisors don't have a lot of leeway in how they construct portfolios at most firms. It is not the Wild West. There is some structure, and usually it's a firm philosophy that pervades the firm and guides all of the advisors at the firm. The key to being a successful advisor is the key to being successful at so many people-facing industries, and that is people skills. It is not analytical skills. It is not financial skills. It is not a big, fat math brain. It is a great personality and an understanding of human nature and an ability to persuade people to do what's in their best interests as opposed to what their gut is telling them to do, which is often very, very, very wrong. So I would not, I, as I'm with Tom, you don't get a CFP yet. Later on, a CFP is a very helpful designation in that it connotes it, 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 certainly states that you have a a, a, a a mass of knowledge that other people may not have. But is it essential? No, I don't think it's essential to do the best job. I think the, the, the way to do the best job is to be, is really hone your people skills. Yeah, I That's think there's important. an ask. Yeah, there's an ask. You, you said, no, you don't need analytical skills. I, I argue with you a little bit there that there is some analytics. I don't think they're your primary though. Not I don't primary, think, but because yeah. you have that once you're, working for the right firm, two things happen. Number one, they supply you with the software that allow, once you enter all the information in that software, the plan is really there. There really isn't, mm -hmm. I mean, there's a few things you could change this and this and this. And as you correctly point out, in a fee only 100% fiduciary advisory firm, the advisor is not picking stocks, is not picking funds, is not timing market, none of that. The advisor's job is to match that 
household with the right portfolio to manage the people, as you said, and to do the some rebalancing from time to time, which again, may not even be in their hands. That's it. It has nothing to do with the most people think an advisor is a stockbroker who's picking Tesla over Microsoft or based on their own. They know something or yes, boring over charts. Yeah, that's all. That's old school. If you're working with somebody who does that, frankly, you're working with a broker dealer and I would run from that because they're going to make a bad decision because we know no one can pick those things. Mm -hmm. So you're exactly right. But I think this I think, again, the 60. Did you look up the 65? I thought you're. Oh, I was, and then I stopped. You got distracted. I think you can go get that I get easily distracted. Yeah, I think you can do that today without having to register with a firm. You do not need to be employed or sponsored anymore. Yeah, Yeah, they changed that a few years ago. So you could go get the 65. And there are online courses galore. Oh, yeah. No, there's all kinds. You can either read a book or you can do online, whatever, whatever way you learn best. But Mm -hmm. I would do that. And then, as I say, I'd make a list of the firms that you want to work for. These are the ones you say make sense because Tom and Don have done this for a long time and we know a lot about all the firms out there. Then I would make that choice and I'd go there and tell them, I want to be in this business. That's how I did it. Bear in mind that Series 65 is, is, it's an essential for almost any employee at at a financial advice firm because you pretty much can't talk to clients unless you have that. Correct. Because it, it it's all about the rules and the regulations of the industry and the things you're supposed to do that <laughs> most supposed people in the industry do. don't do. Yeah. <laughs> they just to. don't do them. Eh, well, that's Great why question. we that's why we have a show. Thanks Indeed. for that question. Thank you all for all of your questions. We'll have more on future editions of this podcast. And I hope you'll continue to listen. Tell a friend or two or a thousand. Leave a review at Apple Podcasts if you really like us. And if you have a really complicated problem, you're trying to build a plan, or you're trying to avoid doing something stupid, uh, you want a second opinion, you got a messy portfolio, and you just want to kind of clean house, go to vestry.com and set up an appointment with one of our fee-only 100% fiduciary advisors. And yes, we have vetted the portfolios. They don't get to pick those. No. <laughs> All no. that. They don't get gone. to do crazy stuff. No. Uh-uh. And uh, they'll meet with you and work with you and give you actionable assistance for free. With no sales obligation, period. No, no, no high-pressure sales pitch, period. We don't believe in that. We've never, ever done that. I don't think, have we? Yeah, we may have had a guy in the early days who, you know, wasn't who was a little bit more uh, uh, salesmanish, but since then, no. I, and you know, who I know who you're about. talking about. <laughs> you know who I'm talking. That's about. easy. He's no longer with us, but no, I don't think he's uh, in the business anymore. So I don't either. Eight five five nine three five talk is our phone number. Remember that talkingrealmoney.com is our website. Thanks for being there. Take awesomely great care of yourselves. Talk to you again in the next episode. I'm Don. That's Tom. We hang out talking real money. that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for educational and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately, consistently predict the future. So past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Vestry, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. That's a wrap.